This is the second installment of a two-part series on modern-day moonshining and South Carolina's moonshine culture. We welcome two special guests, Trey Boggs, who is a descendant of a notorious bootlegger, a modern-day distiller himself and co-owner of Palmetto Pride Distillery, and Bridget Thackrell, co-owner of Rotten Little Bastard Distillery and descendant of an alcohol, tobacco, and firearms agent who spent much of his career chasing moonshiners. These special guests have family roots steeped in bootleg traditions on both sides of the law, and they have successfully made moonshine a respectable part of our South Carolina culture and heritage. That's the voice of storyteller, journalist, author, Michael DeWitt. You can find his work in the USA Today Network newspapers. You can read the book, The Wicked Hampton County, and soon, The Fall of the House of Murdoch. I am Matt Harris. Seton Tucker, where can they find more about this podcast? You can find us on Facebook at The Wicked South Podcast. Please reach out and and comment. We would appreciate that. And Michael, before we get rolling with our guest, a shout out to the sponsors. We have Dr. Kenny Kinsey of Kenny Kinsey and Associates. And we actually have two of our sponsors are going to be special guests uh, on the show today. We didn't just go out and get Ford Motor Company or Nike (laughs) or Apple. I said, we could do better than that. So we found some sponsors that have great stories, a legendary storied uh, past um, bootlegging traditions, all of these things rolled into one. So Palmetto Distillery, uh, Trey Boggs will be joining us today, and Bridget from Rotten Little Bastard Distillery. Our first special guest here today is Trey Boggs. Now, Trey is a descendant of a, of a bootlegger, and uh, even better, he's a modern-day distiller and co-owner of Palmetto Distillery in Anderson, South Carolina. He has a wonderful um, family story to tell, and we're happy to have him here. Uh, Trey, thanks for joining us. Well, Trey, we understand that you have an infamous relative, Doc Boggs. Can you tell us about him? Sure. It's kind of ironic. I live on Lake Hartwell in Anderson, South Carolina, and he even spelled it D-O-C-K. And if you look at his picture online, they still have a festival up north in the uh, Virginia mountains in his honor. Um, it's kind of a unique story. He still was named after a doctor, but it's ironic that they spelled it D-O-C-K versus just <laughs> D-O-C-K. Uh, but he ended up being a pretty famous, uh, uh, he played the claw hammer banjo. And in the daytime, he worked as a traffic controller, basically worked for seven cents a day. So you can imagine how long ago that was. We learned, we started Palmetto Moonshine, which started out as what we thought was going to be a hobby, but turned out to be a very fun full-time job. So it's not working if you're having fun. Kind of start back and I'll give you the very short version. So I'm respectful for everybody's time this morning. Thank you for having me. We do everything backwards where we're from, uh, truly here in the South. We have a, we had a building, uh, we're in real estate. So we had a building long before we even had the idea and what perfect location in the backyard of the courthouse best place to make legal moonshine <laughs> is it really so, yeah so we're in the flea market business and if you're going to be in the flea market business you might as, well, might as well be in the moonshine business so we had a flea market outside of knoxville and back in probably i think this was 09 
I'd been, we'd owned it for a number of years and I was coming back from Knoxville headed towards Asheville back home to upstate South Carolina. And I was headed down I 40 had been working all weekend up there managing the, <laughs> uh, managing a, a flea market is like managing a zoo of cages. So you can imagine all those different personalities and sure. everybody's trying to take money. It's organized, unorganized chaos. So I was coming down I-40 and I was, you know, thinking, uh, why does the government hate moonshine? And the idea hit me, but it also, the reason it hit me was I had the trunk loaded down with moonshine. This was not taxes paid. So I get back home exhausted, but I had the idea that truly it felt like lightning in a bottle. Uh, no pun intended. I got back home late that night about midnight. And I, so I couldn't wait to see if this idea was even a possibility and read the extremely boring book, Department of Revenue book. If you've ever read any part oh, of that, good to help you go to sleep. So I literally found it took all night, but I found where they changed the laws for micro distilleries. Hence why you've got breweries and distilleries opening up all over the country. The government needs more money, right? Y'all probably heard of that story. Sure. And so I couldn't wait till the Department of Revenue in South Carolina opened up and I called and the lady answered the Department of Revenue. And I said, ma'am, I want to put an application in for making moonshine. Of course, she laughed at me. And when she finished laughing, she goes, honey, you can't do that. And I said, well, actually, right here on page so-and-so paragraph so-and-so in this line right here, she pulled it up and she's like, well, I'll be damned. You're right. You can. So I started the process, which is not like it is now, internet-based. Back then, and this would have been 2010, they had just changed the laws for micro distillery for the federal. Of course, each state had their own laws, but now they're all just, you know, they see the writing on the wall to how to get more money. So I put this paper process in that you can overnight to the government. They may land on the wrong desk. It may go to the wrong building. They may lose it. All these things happen. There's not, these are all stories that really happened. It took a year and a half to get this piece of paper that made us legal January 5th of 2011. So SLED, which is South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, is the eyes and ears for Department of Revenue. They're the final stage. They come in. They say this is what they saw. and They sign off on the permit. Well, we had this building that was literally full of trash and liquor bottles, so you knew it was meant to be behind the courthouse. It didn't look like it does now online. You can go to palmettamoonshine.com and see it. And it's actually got a Google tour. You can see it even before you arrive. If you arrive, you get to do the tasting, the much more fun stuff behind the scenes. So Sled, this very nice police officer, pulls up in the blacked out Crown Vic with the badge and the gun, and he gets out. And before we knock, before we open the door up, he goes, he said, son, he said, I've been doing this 27 years, and I just came from Columbia, South Carolina, and just met with the chief down there. And he said, this has never been done since Prohibition. He said, once I hand you this approval, which I have no reason to believe when we walk in here, you don't get an approval. He said, you'll have the state's first legal moonshine distillery. Wow. Well, man, that made goosebumps because I never thought about what we were doing. I just thought about, hey, legal make moonshine. It'll be a fun story. Well, we walk in. Now, the government, y'all probably read, they like to do everything backwards. So we did have that in common. They want you to make and operate a moonshine still before they give you the permit. Ah, <laughs> so, be illegal yeah. first. Yeah, yeah, be, be illegal and run it, but then we're going to come and tell you you're now legal. So Jeez. for the year and a half, we had to wait on making moonshine. That could be for another podcast. But so we go in there, and the law enforcement officer looks at it. He goes, "Yep." Where do you get a moonshine still? That's got to be coming into somebody's questions in their mind. <laughs> 
I go into, um, I find this guy in quotations selling yard art and I called him and I, I found him, um, online and i said uh any chance you can make a large piece of yard art and he goes what are you a revenue <laughs> so he gives me this address <laughs> and go up into the foothills mountains and i agreed not to disclose where he is for obvious reasons <laughs> and so we go up into the mountains and y'all seen the burt reynolds movie with deliverance and i'm not making that up i've got pictures because it looks so realistic i mean the sun's setting over the ridge it's almost dark and the sign for the address that he gave me, the numbers falling off the mailbox is turned to the right, you know. So I was like, I can make out this is the right address, but where there's supposed to be a house, it's burnt to the ground. So I call the guy back, hey, man, the, the house you gave me, I think I'm at the right address, but the house is burnt. Oh, yeah, come over the hill. He said, I got a mobile home on the other side. I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. So I go down this wrong, winding, <laughs> creaky gravel driveway. The sun's now set completely. It's almost dark, but you can still make out what's going on. I get over the ridge, and on this other side, this beautiful side of the mountain, there's a kid out there playing, kicking the soccer ball. I was like, well, this doesn't look too bad. It's me and my brother. So I go beat on this mobile home that still has the old headlights on it. You know, where you got the taillights on the back. That's how old it was. I knocked on the door, and the guy comes to the door with a floppy hat on, and he knows that we have cash on us because we all have this uncomfortable easiness that's apparent that mm. we all have. I figured he had to have a gun because he knows I have cash and me and Brian had guns because we were going to protect our cash because I really need that moonshine. <laughs> so we get our 30 gallon steel. We take it back. That's where the permit came from. And so then when the sled officer was saying, guys, you're going to need a bigger steel. We went back to the mountains, and now we obviously knew each other because we'd done made a transaction and bought a bootlegger steel. But really, all we're doing is buying copper. You know, I didn't. He didn't make anything out of it. I didn't make him, so we're still legal. I didn't know what he did after I left. None of my business. You know, I know <laughs> what he did. So we take now. We've got a two hundred and fifty gallon steel um, because he only made a hundred gallon. He was a fifth generation bootlegger. Now we go back to the mountains. We had to wait about six weeks because that was the biggest thing. He wouldn't fit inside of his mobile home. He had to make it on the back porch. So we pull back up, go down the long winding driveway. The sun's still in the sky. So we're standing out there. We pull up. And I kid you not, me and Brian looked, Brian's my brother. We looked at each other and we we're like, oh my God, the sheriff's going to see this from satellite. That's how big it looked. 250 gallon compared to a 30 gallon is monstrous. It was covered with a blue tarp. And we're like, <laughs> So we're sitting here talking and we, you know, paid the guy and we're getting ready to load the steel up and the guy takes off running undercover. And I'm like, where are you going? He's like, you hear that helicopter? Sheriff don't need to see this. And I'm like, we're just getting the copper steel. We're not making moonshine. He's like, yeah, for you. <laughs> so we had to go back down the highway with this thing. We had an enclosed trailer because I wasn't going to try to talk my way out of explaining to the troopers and a deputy that I'm legal because nobody had done legal yet. We were literally six months, about the same time Old Smokey uh, started in Gatlinburg. The difference is they had Gatlinburg. We had Mayberry. I mean, Anderson. <laughs> so anyways, we get this steel back home, and we ran that steel so hard that uh, talk about scalability. When we started that year, it was there was no need for advertising because people were beating the door down trying to get into the distillery because well, we know you're making moonshine here behind the courthouse. Like we're literally trying to get set up. We're not even ready yet. <laughs> like, I want a jar. So what do you have? You have judges and lawyers and uh, law enforcement that do know you're back there now making. And they're like, 
we're trying, we want some jars of moonshine. I'm like, well, we're trying to get set up. We're like, we're the law. Get us some moonshine. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> Fast forward, being located in the back of the courthouse for making moonshine really spread like wildfire. And we had record crowds. Um, it was insane wow. for the couple of years. We went across 26 states. Uh, we did go into the UK, over into Scotland. And that was a very unsustainable mentally, physically, and financially. We were going to grow ourselves insane. So we were like, this is not a great model. We had no idea we would grow that fast. And it was, we were moving a lot of product, but we were spending more money trying to figure out which way it was up. So we slowed that process down within the first couple of years. We pulled back and guess what? There's mega million people coming to South Carolina every year from all over the world. Well, we put a map in the distillery, literally showing people uh, where they, where people come from, from all over the South. And we have billboards up and down the interstate. So people see it. We draw people in the distillery. It's not a great plan to charge more than the liquor stores, but we don't want to compete with them because distribution is our bigger piece of the pie. So you come into the distillery, it's a little more expensive, but we're going to show you how to, we're going to show you how we make it. We're going to show you a good time. You get to try all the products and make sure you make it out of there alive safely. And then when you go back to Ohio, California, Florida, Michigan, wherever you're going back to, we want you to go in your liquor store and request it. And that's worked for the last 10, 12 years um, to plant little seeds. When sanitizer, and I know nobody really likes this word of COVID, but nobody knew what was going to happen March 20. And this was another way of just being an entrepreneur and thinking on your toes where the big Wall Street guys are still trying to plan to rethink, to figure out a plan, how to go. So we got a call for Department of Transportation for South Carolina. And I just happened to be walking past my secretary's office. She said, you may want to talk to Trey. And so I get on the phone with this guy and he goes, man, I'll be honest. I move dirt for a living. And he said, but the governor said we need to get sanitizer for all emergency management and all employees around South Carolina. This was March 20 when nobody really knew what the annoying word of COVID that we were going to still be living with it or talking about it, you know. And so I said, well, you know, like any business guy, sure, you know, we'll figure it out. And I had looked it up that it was 95 percent ethanol, uh, hydroperoxide, glycerol. I said, yeah, we can do that. I mean, how many gallons do you need? Thinking, you know, 50, 100 4,000 gallons. 4,000. Wow. 4,000. I said, uh, sure. <laughs> Never make it. But see, the governor had relaxed the highway the DOT guidelines so you could you could carry flammable because they were, they were using all breweries. And then the FDA relaxed the pharmaceutical guidelines so that we were able to do it in a facility. And believe it or not, we pulled it off. Me and Brian delivered 4,000 gallons within six days to the Department of Transportation down in Columbia. And all that did was throw gasoline on the fire because we supplied Prisma hospitals, 12 of those, uh, Michelin, and all these, you know, Coke, uh, Domino's, all these big Millican, all these big companies that were out there were started calling. I was just thinking my mom needs some and I need to get her a bottle. And I barely got her some because she's the one that started. She's like, I can't get any sanitizer. And like everybody else, most people were... We did over $2 million in just sanitizer and all those bottles that went all over the country and then some online were like little seeds because people are like, Palmetto Moonshine, what is that? Oh, let me check it out online. And so then we started moving more volume because we got paid to advertise, which is unheard of in business. So 
I can say that it has been a very wild ride. Um, how it links back to Doc Boggs was he really does look just like my grandfather. If you look at a picture of my grandfather, they all wore those fedora hats back in the day. So Doc, during the day, he was a coal miner. Um, and then at night, he was a struggling musician like most are when they're trying to figure it out. And so after he get off the stage playing his claw hammer banjo, uh, and he played with the blacks and that was kind of what his thing was to had that kind of soul with the, the banjo and you can kind of almost hear it in your head, the banjo with the cool, um, just had a cool vibe. And so he, he was, was picked up by a guy, I think it was Nashville and he got him a record and then he made it later on in life. Like he was in his fifties. Um, so then he was able to play up into his seventies, but he was running moonshine at night. So it's true bootlegger story of running shine and playing music. And uh, it's it's wild. My middle daughter's all into music, playing piano and guitar, and doing really well with it. So not only is moonshine in our veins, we've got a little music talent in our veins. I just I play the radio. I don't really play any. Uh, <laughs> any but, but, uh, it's uh, it's been a wild ride. I mean, it's gotten the attention of Darius Rucker and the uh, Daniel Rickman, who is now the mayor of Columbia picked up a bottle and took it to Darius for an event. I don't know if it was a birthday or Christmas, but they're sitting around drinking and dreaming. And Darius, since he was hooting the blowfish, you know, we're South Carolina guys, had that in common. Uh, the only thing we don't talk about is football. He's a Carolina guy. And I'm mm-hmm. on the Tiger. State, so we just, you know, now he'd probably, he'd be glad to talk about it. But back when Clemson was killing it, uh, it was kind of a sore subject, you know, so we just didn't bring it up. But everything else we had great in common. But Hootie, when he was hooting the blowfish, they would take shots of Jim Bean backstage. Uh, and then so that's where the backstage uh, Southern Whiskey came from. And he's got a bigger megaphone, and I just want to manufacture at the end of the day. So I was happy to put our award-winning Palmetto uh, Whiskey in a, ba- a bottle with Darius Rucker's name on it. And I can't say enough nice stuff. You probably would assume he's a nice guy, but if you've ever met him, he's probably one of the most humble celebrities that i've ever met um to have a conversation with and it's just it was just a good good business opportunity and uh, of course that opened up a lot of doors to be able to have that feather in your hat with somebody like him so it's been a, it was a great partnership and uh you know i couldn't say uh, enough nice things and what a, a great honor to create a product that's good enough for somebody like him to put his name on so that was a nice feather in our hat did you make more money in COVID on hand sanitizer or moonshine? Great question. So out of the gate, it was all hands on deck. Uh, you know, the old saying, people drink happy, sad, rich, or poor. Uh, even when it's crazy COVID, they're going to drink. And they drank more when they were stuck at home, bored out of their mind because nobody could go to work. Well, we actually had special documents signed off by the sheriff uh, just so if we got pulled over, there was, it was kind of eerie. I mean, if you were, if you weren't out, you didn't see it, but there was no cars on the road during the first, you know, first few weeks and months of COVID because nobody really knew what was going on. And so we were out on the road and I've got a picture at our liquor warehouse of 18 semi-trucks. Now we've been busy before, but we've never been that kind of busy. I mean, the problem was not really the liquor back then during COVID. It was the bottles. I mean, we were putting putting sanitizer in oil bottles because just whatever bottles you could find. But the, what saved us and allowed us to make that kind of revenue was our bottle supplier where we got our mason jars was a big, like Tabasco, big, uh, I think third generation a big company. And so he sold to Johnson & Johnson and he was able to get us the bottles we needed 
And we went from selling like small three and 12 ounce to selling gallons. And when have you ever needed a gallon of sanitizer? You'd be surprised. Hospitals and stuff needed it. And they were all just going through it because of the need. So to answer your question, we really, we, we didn't make as much. We had, we had produced a lot, thank goodness, the month before. So we were sitting on a good amount of inventory, which allowed us to change production and move fast. While again, like the Purells and all the big companies are still trying to figure out which way's up. Small business can make a decision and just go. And I mean, we literally within 40 hours, we're producing sanitizer from something we've never made before. And but what that did was kind of back to what I was saying earlier is it allowed us to, to get more out faster because we can't get it across the country any faster because of the three tier system that I'm sure you're all familiar with. I make it as a supplier. I sell it in each state's mm -hmm. different malls. I sell it to RNDCs, our distributor in Columbia, and then they've got to put it back on the truck and sell it to the liquor stores all over the state. And of course you pay tax on your money that you made and then you come in there and pay the liquor store tax i pay tax the supplier pays you know the distributor pays tax liquor yep. stores pay tax 58 percent of that jar is tax why do you think the government loves us so much <laughs> more yep. money yep. uh so yes we made a good bit out of sanitizer but what it did was get paid to advertise and it was uh very rare to get paid to advertise trey you you have amazing stories and just uh, everything from from the back of the courthouse to the COVID story. I knew we were doing a, a, the right thing when we uh, got you on board today. We had just a couple more questions. You answered most of our stuff, but uh, how has this changed your life, you and your family? I mean, other than, than hopefully, uh, you know, making a few more bucks and um, saving a few bucks, how has this changed your life being a, a legal moonshiner? I got a big long beard that I didn't have in the beginning. <laughs> uh, that you had to go with I, the I moonshiner look, right? Yeah, moonshiner look. <laughs> You know, if I was going to sell moonshine, I couldn't sell it with a clean face. So that did change my, my life personally. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of a micro story. But as uh, overall, I mean, I can tell you we have met some of the greatest people. Uh, I still find this hard to believe, but I tell you, he told me this out of his mouth. We got to be good friends with the uh, Kentucky Headhunters. Uh, Richard and Fred Young. Uh, out of that We went to Sturgis. We, that was kind of how we got our got the word out in the very beginning we ride harleys and so we went to sturgis out in the dakotas and we've been down to galveston texas to the, all the bike rallies mm -hmm. uh, daytona myrtle beach bike rally myrtle beach bike rally laconia new hampshire and around and around and around and so we kept running into the same a lot of the same people i could tell you until your all of our batteries died i could tell you stories over the last 12 years that have been over one jar of moonshine, it's like I told my guys over in the UK or in Scotland, when we first met them, I said, you may have never heard of palmetto moonshine, but we've all heard the word moonshine, you know, hence mm -hmm. uh, the story. It's not all been about outlaws and breaking the law. And, you know, at the end of the day, it was you couldn't sell corn out in the field and you had some access to some sugar and some good mountain water. You can make some moonshine and people would rather have a jar of moonshine than a bag of corn, you know, so there was value. And that's how a lot of people fed their family. Um, so our heritage runs very deep here in the Carolinas, hence NASCAR. I mean, y'all y'all know where the word NASCAR came from, right? Other than the obvious of what you could Google, what it means. So back in the day when before NASCAR was NASCAR, they were sitting on the front porch. And as they were running around, you know, 
hauling bootleg. And when they go flying by in these souped up cars, old guy said, that's a nice car. Oh, <laughs> That's a dad uh, joke if I ever heard uh, one. Right on. Yes, yes, great. I usually get a better reaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we appreciate you spending time with us. We can't wait to uh, get down there and drink a little and take a little tour and have some fun. Well, that's like eat potato chips. You can't drink just one. So I can promise <laughs> you, we'll get you an Uber and find you a nice place to stay. But nice. we're, in, uh, we're right in the dead center between Atlanta to Charlotte. So the mountains are on one side and the beaches on the other. You'll never go bored. There's plenty. So we'll welcome you and we'll roll the red carpet out when you get here and show you a good time. All right. Cool. Thank you. All right. Thank y'all. And uh, more moonshine stories in a moment. Take a little break and talk about Palmetto Pride Moonshine. The holiday season's coming up, so you can sip your way to the holiday season with Palmetto Distillery's collection of award-winning spirits. All right, guys, we got to try these all. 12 moonshine flavors, 6 sipping cream flavors, a 21% rye whiskey, and even ready-to-drink cocktails. Something for everyone on the list, so you can do this as a, a great present. I still say it's time for a Michael, Dwayne, Seton, Matt trip, but... Nevertheless, Michael, you're closer, so I expect uh, this sent up to us. You can share the love and spread some cheers this season. They're limited edition holiday samplers. Tell me more, Seaton. Oh, I love it. They make a great gift. Uh, each set includes five top-selling Palmetto Moonshine flavors neatly bundled in a traditional candy cane case. Mm, a gift that looks as good as it tastes, yeah. Yep. Uh, search their online store locator to discover a liquor store near you or online at liquidblackjack.com. Michael, tell them about the limited time deal. I would be delighted to. And we're also going to post this on our Facebook page. Great. For a limited time, the Wicked South listeners can get a special 25% off online discount. Uh, from their online orders from palmettodistillery.com or liquidblackjack.com when you use this promo code HOLIDAY CHEERS in all caps HOLIDAY CHEERS use that promo code at checkout and get in the holiday spirit find your flavor and pass the jar palmettodistillery.com liquidblackjack.com promo code HOLIDAY CHEERS you can find it on the Wicked South Podcast Facebook page When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our second guest today is Bridget Prackwell. Bridget is co-owner of Rotten Little Bastard Distillery. And I promise you, when we found, found sponsors for our podcast, we were looking for people that just had a great story and um, a story in themselves. And that's what we've got here today. So uh, welcome, uh, Bridget. And we can't wait to uh, to hear your story. Yes. Well, I mean, first off is we got to find out about <laughs> why Rotten Little Bastard <laughs> so that's what my mother-in-law had called my husband for his entire life. He's the <laughs> third of five kids, um, and she's a single mom raising the kids in Las Vegas, and he was just that kid. And so it was always, you know, 
Where did that rotten little bastard go? What have you been up to? Why is the principal calling me again? You rotten little bastard. You know, things like that. It was, um, you know, she called him that for her, you know, his entire life. Um, even when she, before she passed, when she was sick and he went out to visit her in the hospital, it was, you know, what are you doing here? You rotten little bastard. So it was a bit of a turn of endearment after a while. Um, after the the total frustration of uh, raising him went away. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a title to a movie. It, it does. <laughs> so now I understand that you have an ancestor who was involved in the other side of bootlegging, and that's the law side. Uh, yeah. What can you tell us about him? So it was my grandfather, my um, my paternal grandfather. Uh, he was uh, in the ATF. Um, from 1951 to 1976, um, and he was stationed out of the New Jersey branch, and I, I double-checked with my dad so I could make sure I get the, the story right. Um, mostly what he did was different things in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, but he did come down to Appalachia um, once at the beginning of his career. Um, it, he was a you know, a short Italian man with a New Jersey Italian accent. So I'm pretty sure he didn't blend real well here <laughs> in the South. Um, so he mostly stuck to, uh, to the Northern areas, but yeah, um, you know, we only ever got the fun stories, but one of the stories he told was, uh, you know, most of the time the moonshiners that he came up against didn't carry guns. So it wasn't, um, cause th- th- if they got caught, they didn't want the additional charge of having a weapon. Um, so they find the still, you know, the ATF people would find the still, the guys would run, they'd catch the guys, they'd take them to jail and they'd get, you know, just a, a small, um, sentence for having a moonshine still. Um, and he said, so usually it was, you know, not friendly, but it wasn't, um, really aggressive in what he was doing. And he said one time he went out and they had just got a bunch of guys and they had uh, sat down to their spaghetti dinner. And uh, the, they agreed between all of them that if the guys didn't try to flee, that they could eat their dinner before <laughs> going to jail. And um, and my grandfather and his partner were invited to join them. So, <laughs> you know, that was the that was a fun story. Yeah, that I mean, that's that's the polite way to do. It. Let them have their spaghetti dinner. What do you exactly. think? What do you think he'd think about you uh, being in the moonshine business? Well, because we're doing it legally, um, you know, I think it's I think it's all good. As I said, you know, I've got to make sure I do everything right because I don't need an Italian man haunting me um, if I don't dot my eyes and cross all my T's. <laughs> Tell us what inspired you. So your husband is from Las Vegas. Um, you know, where are you from, and what inspired you to move to the South Carolina Low Country? And uh, you know, you're coming from a gambling background, so now you're taking another gamble <laughs> and becoming a distiller. So what oh, yes. inspired you? So I'm originally from Maryland, um, outside of D.C., and I moved to Las Vegas uh, a little bit after college. Um, worked in the D.C. area for a bit, and really um, a friend of mine and I had an opportunity to move out to Vegas where I went out there, you know, met my husband, got married, had kids, and then realized we didn't want to raise our kids in Las Vegas. Hmm. Um, so I had a job opportunity out here in the Hardyville area, um, and we came out on Mother's Day weekend to check out the area and just totally fell in love. And so um, we went back, packed up all our stuff, and then moved out on Memorial Day weekend. Um, and that was in 2003. So we've been here a little over 20 years, um, you know, raised our kids here and and uh, really just love the area. Um, and so now the, the distillery idea is for my husband's retirement plan. Um, unfortunately, the pandemic has pushed that off a couple of years, but, uh, but we're catching up. So, uh, it's all, 
it'll get there eventually where he's able to be here full time also. Well, have you seen a lot of uh, gift items? Because we were talking to someone else and said that mm-hmm. you, a lot of people who come to South Carolina, they want something to take home with them. And, you know, yes. my, my first mind went, my kids always wanted to get those stupid hermit crabs. Yes. And so, I mean, you can get your, you can get some hermit crabs and maybe um, the adults can have some moonshine. Do you, do you have a lot of that sort of business? Yes. Um, we're on a main road heading into Beaufort. So a lot of our business is visitors and we name all of our spirits after local um, places. So like our, our moonshine is St. Helena shine after St. Helena. Um, we have boundary street rum. Um, we're on boundary street, you know, things like that. We, we really are trying to keep everything local. Um, so that, you know, especially for the locals here, um, but also then when the you know people come, they want something to bring back with them. They can take, you know, a bottle of Beaufort back. Um, and then, uh, and you know, it, it's definitely from Beaufort, the bottle that they get And all of our grains are South Carolina grains. We have a South Carolina, uh, cooperage that we get our barrels from. We do everything as local as we possibly can. You got any big plans coming up we should know about? Um, we just did a release, uh, with Old Bull Tavern. Um, we now have a, a whiskey. It's American whiskey with uh, ginger. It's called Bravest Bowl. Um, and that's, that was a collaboration with Old Bull Tavern here in Beaufort. Um, and we're just starting to roll out uh, the our normal size bottle is 750 milliliters. We're starting to roll out the 375 milliliters because people were looking for gift sets for Christmas. So sure. they're smaller. And that way, you know, you can bundle a couple and put them in a stocking or something like that. So we're, we're working on that. So that way we'll have those ready uh, by the end of this week. Any other final questions, Michael? Last Thursday, I had a story. I was teaching a storytelling class at USC Buford and I stopped by to, uh, to meet Bridget in person. I wanted to take a quick little tour, um, take some pictures and I wanted to sample some stuff, but I was driving. So, you know, I had to take you know, I'm law and order these days, so I had to take it home these with days. me. Good. Um, these days. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, these days, yeah. Um, but uh, I was just very impressed. The um, distillery is in what used to be the automotive section of the Kmart in Beaufort. Um, <laughs> really? And it's got roll-up doors, and you can tell why, because when you're you're in there, you smell the corn, you smell the fermentation, mm. and um, it took me back to the farm, and I'll share a story about that uh, later. But I purchased a bottle of King Tide vodka, and I have—I'm um, not going to tell you how much I've already drank out of the bottle because my <laughs> wife might be listening. But <laughs> let me tell you, it's the most unusual vodka I've ever had, and that's in a good way. It's um, Bridget can tell you. Uh, I think they use a good percentage of corn in their grain. So it's got that sweetness of corn liquor. It's like if moonshine and vodka got together and fell in love and had a baby, that's what that tasted like to me. <laughs> and, um, it was it was just awesome. I can't wait to try Bravest Bull and uh, Spanish Moss Gin. That's the one I yes. want to try. So I will be back. Yes. We're going to make a trip for sure. Well, and I want to ask Bridget might be able to clarify because I just personal question, but – when you make uh, moonshine versus a vodka, is it is it the distilling process that it has to be distilled more times? Yes. So anything that's considered vodka has to come off the still at 190 proof. Um, anything that's anything else, whiskey, rum, comes off at either 160 or below. So most of the time, like our moonshine will come off the still at 
140, 150. Um, and so that's why like the moonshine has more flavor. Our vodka, we figure since we're a craft distillery, it should have some bit of a flavor. It is made hundred percent from corn. Um, and it does have a little bit of the sweetness still left in it. Um, because like I said, we're, you know, coming from a craft distillery, we feel like it should have some flavor to it. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's the main difference between vodka and like the moonshine. Um, is and also our moonshine is only 80 proof, um, so it's more of a sip in corn whiskey where our vodka is 90 proof. There you go. Oh, see I you. always thought moonshine would be stiffer than uh, than vodka, so that's yeah. that's good to know. It really depends on how much you proof it down, um, and then you know, of course, the the back in the day people will say, um, you know, when it came off the still was what it came off the still. So <laughs> yeah. we can regulate that a whole lot more than, than yeah. they right. Good point. Good point. Well, thank you for spending time with us. Appreciate it very much. We can't wait for our road trip. Absolutely. I look forward to meeting you guys in person. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Bye. Thank you, Bridget. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate it. A couple of cool guests today getting you in that moonshine kind of vibe and now michael has a story about drunk pigs i don't know what kind of vibe that is going to bring for us <laughs> I, I know it cannot beat the possum story but let's, no, let's hear no, it we'll see uh what you got for us michael well it's not so much a, a story as an as an observation uh -oh. but um when i was uh when i went to rotten little bastard distillery last week i noticed she had a sign of a pig in front of the um, the bay doors of the distillery, and I asked her about it, and she said that you know they don't try to they don't want to waste anything, so the leftover mash, the leftover fermented corn and and grains and stuff, they drain the liquid off of it and they donate it to a um, local pig farmer. She's got oh. a um like I don't know if it's a pig rescue or or a pig farm, but it's on their website. I think you can read about it. But they drain the liquid off so they don't get the pigs um, totally intoxicated. The pigs can eat it when it's dry and it doesn't hurt them. And it's actually just wonderful recycling, you know, for the environment. And the place reminded me of growing up on the farm. My father used to soak corn um, to uh, help the pigs digest it a little bit better. You could put lye in there sometimes to break it down. If you didn't put lye, the corn would kind of ferment in the barrels and, Something like that, or even whenever uh, my aunt, my grandfather and my great uncle used to tell me when they would make sucat out of cane skimmings, they'd feed the byproduct to the pigs. And on a Thanksgiving morning, when you're sitting there having a drink of sucat or, or moonshine, it's great entertainment to watch these drunk pigs just stagger around the pasture. Um, <laughs> you know, this is before the age of television. So you get out there with your relatives around the, the pig pen and you know, the old male pig is trying to, to pitch woo to the female pig, but he keeps falling off because he's so drunk. It's just great entertainment when you when you live out in the country back in those old days. Sounds like my old or fraternity so days, to be honest with you. <laughs> 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 but, uh, the, yeah, that's that's great. Uh, Michael DeWitt always coming through with stories. Well, it reminds me of a uh, a review we got on Apple. It's It says DeWitty, and they give a quote. That Michael said from one of our podcasts, it says, I'm sure the Bible tells us a lot about temptation and sin. So you'd think that the Reverend would kind of be on guard for that, but apparently not. This is about the best sentence I've heard on a podcast in a very long time. <laughs> so I love that. I do love it. And we did get a few uh, a few comments on our uh, witch doctor names. Oh, right. I forgot about we had, yeah. I, we had offered that I, up. 
I think uh, Dwayne's was the best one. What was it? Uh, Doctor, keep them straight. <laughs> yep, I think that's what it was. He, he does keep us straight. He try. Well, he tries, but that you know, sometimes Michael's been in the moonshine, so it takes a little more. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so again, we 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 thank you for spending time with us. Always grateful for it. Please rate and share and comment on the episode. You can go to the Wicked South Facebook page. You can read Michael's work in the, the USA Today Network, the Gannett, news, uh, the Gannett Newspapers. Uh, he has the Wicked Hampton County book out. And very soon, the fall of the House of Murdoch. So, Michael, give us an update. When can we look for this? I talked to my publisher uh, earlier this week. We are still on uh, schedule for the end of November. December 1st, we should have books in hand uh, at the latest. And um, I've already got just a ton of requests for different events. I'm uh, probably going to be at um, first Thursday in uh, Walterboro. Um, just I've got events scheduled all the way to the summer. So I'll be announcing the book tour. I'm thinking I'm going to call it the Moonshine and Mayhem Book Tour. Very nice. Um, I like it. Um, I'd love to, to team up with you guys when I get to the upstate. Maybe we can, uh, sure. you know, um, go on the road together and, and do a podcast book tour or something. Right. Or maybe we need to write a Wicked South podcast book one day. Yeah, which I like the way you think, Michael. I think we need to have it from one of our Moonshine sponsors. We, we yes. need to, maybe we need to get Anderson. Right, right. And as, as, as we roll out here, um, Michael, give a shout out to our sponsors. That's right. You've already heard from two of them today, Palmetto Pride. Uh, distillery and Rotten Little Bastard Distillery. And we cannot forget Dr. Kenny Kinsey, um, our dear friend. He sent me an email um, earlier this week and said he just loved the, the podcast he was on last week and that we did a great job making him sound witty and, and funny and intelligent. And I told him all we did was just sit back and, and dial the phone and he did the rest. He so, sure did. Um, we didn't even have to do we any love edits. Dr. Kenny. Yes. No edits. And, uh, Seton and I, you can find us on the Impact of Influence podcast as well. Keeping up with the Murdoch stuff like Michael is in the paper. And uh, friends, I gave us an X on that one. We will talk soon.